holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his goodness. He is holy. He is high. He is set apart. Before Jesus went to the cross, he gave a final summon to his disciples. Right in the middle, he uses a gardening metaphor to describe the importance of growing spiritually and drawing strength from him, the true vine. He says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. John 15 verse 2 Jesus was telling the disciples and all Christians that he was setting them apart for a lifestyle of bearing fruit. Their fruit would come as a result of God's intentional pruning. Ladies and gentlemen, our fragile human nature hates trouble and disdain trials that test the soul. Isn't it? You will rarely, if ever, Hear someone ask God to send a season of pruning. But the prayers for more power, influence, wealth, and honor are plenty. Yet, the words of Hebrews remind us that even Jesus learned obedience through the suffering of his soul. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Hebrews 5 verse 8. A vital component to our identity as sons and daughters of God is our ability to learn obedience and perseverance through suffering, just the way Jesus Christ did. As Christians, we have to recognize the season of pruning and resist the temptation to draw back. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to another episode of Fred's Radio. Yes, we are coming to you live from Nairobi, Kenya this evening. And thank you for joining me this Sunday evening. Uh, The time is about 8.30 p.m. And I hope you had a good day and that you're well in God's name. Today's topic of engagement is going to be God's season of pruning. So I call upon you to sit back, relax, and let's get to engage before you sleep. And in the meantime, please go ahead and download this episode so that you can listen to it again and again and even share why you're welcome.
Jesus.
Ladies and gentlemen, pruning takes place when a gardener selectively removes branches from a tree. The goal here is to remove unwanted branches, improve the tree's structure, and direct new healthy growth. Pruning typically involves removing dead and diseased wood and thinning out stems and branches to improve the overall health and appearance of a plant. Maintaining the tree structure helps to mitigate the risk of broken limbs and falling branches. A properly pruned tree will not have compromising branch structures and improper weight distribution that could lead to disaster later on in the tree's life. That is why it is important that it is pruned. Jesus introduces the disciples to an important aspect of abiding in him. Pruning. It is the action taken by a gardener to cut away any growth on a branch or a tree that is undesirable in order to produce more long-term growth. The gardener in this instance is God the Father. The vine, the tree in this instance is Jesus Christ the Son. The branches in this instance are the disciples of Jesus, the followers, that is me and you. But let us not lose sight of this fact. That the gardener plants a vine tree. Now, vine trees are known to produce fruits. In other instances, the gardeners plant any other tree that most likely do not produce fruits. So even if they are pruned, the quality of the trees are improved, but you would not expect the trees to yield more fruits. But in this instance, the vine trees produce fruits. So pruning them even give more yields of fruits. So consider the relationship here between the gardener who plants the vine tree. Without the gardener, the tree is not planted. Without the vine tree, the branches are not produced. Without the gardener, the pruning, the, sorry, the pruning does not take place. So the relationship between the gardener, the vine tree, and the branches, which eventually gives more fruits, is very important. So how do you recognize if you are in a season of pruning? Ladies and gentlemen.
talk to you for a second and just let you know that situation is too big for you. Yeah, yeah. You can't handle that. You know what you need to do? You need to turn it over to the Lord right now. Wait a minute. If you're at home, you need to find you a secret place. Turn it into an altar. Get down on your knees. Lift your hands. Open your mouth. Throw your head back. And just begin to call the name of Jesus. Yes, sir. Jesus. Call him Lord. So Lord, 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 Lord. journey. The year was 1963. The place was Nutley, New Jersey, in the First Baptist Church where I pastored. And gathered there that evening was James Cleveland, the angelic choir. And I recall going to my pulpit and giving the folks a little spiritual advice before we sang. I said, when you get home, get your Bible. Read Mark, the fourth chapter. Starting at the 37th verse, going down to the 41st verse. And in the context of these verses, you will find a story of Jesus and his disciples as they commanded a boat and went out on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus got tired and went down in the hinder part of the ship and went to sleep. But while Jesus slept, the cosmic phenomenals of the world broke loose. The sky got as black as a thousand midnights down in a cypress swamp. The thunders rolled across the heavens. The lightning wrote a zigzag name on the bosom of the clouds. And the waters tossed and turned that little ship. And these men who thought they knew so much about the sea decided we better go get Jesus. 
they went down and they shook Jesus. And Jesus got up, came up, stood on the ship, looked around, and chastised them first by saying, Oh ye of little faith, what are you so concerned about? And he raised his hand and said three words. Peace, be still. The sun came out. The clouds dissipated. The thunder hushed his voice. The winds went back in his chambers and slammed the doors. The waters laid down like a baby and said, we're going to hold you so you don't rock no more. Aren't we like that? As long as we think we can handle our ship, we don't call on Jesus. But when the going get rough, when things get tough, we call on Jesus. And when they woke him up, somebody said, Reverend Roberts, what did they say? This is what they said. These are the words when they woke my Savior. They said this, what? Master. The tempest is raging. Oh, the pillow are tossing high. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. The sky. On shallow oh, with blackness. Oh, no, no shelter. Oh, hey, ooh, in my This is the point. Listen, listen. Sure. That not that we Oh, 
Oh yes. Yes. You're listening to some traditional gospel R&B music. Ladies and gentlemen, even as we engage with the topic God's season of pruning. So just how do you recognize if you're in a season of pruning? That is the question. The primary indicator for a season of pruning is the suffering of loss. Yes. A season of pruning brings a loss in all spheres. Finances, possessions, impact, influence, position, stature, relationship, opportunities. We all go through this. Isn't it? That to be pruned is to lose the basis upon which everyone around you measures you as a successful. You literally go through a lot of sufferings. And we experience this all the time. You lose a parent. You lose a loved one. You lose a spouse. You lose your job. You go through some serious sickness. And you'll agree with me that this process of loss on multiple fronts produces weariness, fear, and despair. Yes, the temptation then comes for one, you know, to give up or draw back into seemingly safe, comfortable, or controlled environments. You go back to where you were. And in this vulnerable moment of pruning, the tempter whispers to the saint to give up and draw back from the purpose of God. We find ourselves confused whether our circumstances are the result of devil's rage or our sin or the community's compromise or God's orchestration. It is painful, ladies and gentlemen, when we are being pruned. Yes, we often fail to know whether to rebuke the enemy, repent of sin, confront the community, surrender to God's molding process, or even all of the above. However, just as no one wonders whether or not a vine or a tree has been pruned, seasons of pruning are easily discernible for Christians. But you know what, ladies and gentlemen, going back to the comfort of a risk-free life is never an option. The pruning season demands refocus without retreat. Be very careful, you Christian. The evil one comes in the weak state of the pruning process to confuse and derail us by having us reinterpret the previous experiences. In our season of loss, the father of lies whispers in our ears. Look what you've done. You've wasted your time. You've wasted your money. You should have listened to your family and friends back home. How could you have given yourself to this? You've never had God anyway. You have failed. You are a failure. Ladies and gentlemen, nothing derails a believer quicker 
than the loss of vision and a wrongly interpreted season. Suddenly you find yourself cursing God. You blame everyone around you. If you're doing good church, you stop going to church. Because God is not there for you anyway. But what you need to know is that you are not being pruned because you failed, but because you are succeeding. The gardener only prunes so that the tree, the vine tree, the branches can bear more fruits. The loss is not the result of your failure, but of your success. You know what? The good news is that more fruit is just around the corner. Submit yourself to the pruning. Have a rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. And let the season take its course.
Is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his goodness. He is holy. He is high. He is set apart. So we sing to him.
Sits upon the throne. 
question is will I ever live to know no 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 let me tell you why I was asked this question years ago, and the answer is still no. Now the question is, will I do his will? And the answer is yes. The question is, will I do as we let the answer is yeah, 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 yeah. I'm presenting my body, living sacrifice. All I ever wanna do is to hear me cry. I was asked this question, and the answer is yeah. Now the question is, when will Jesus return? Somebody help me say. If you got Jesus, tell him this. Don't, don't, don't worry about me. Y'all want to know why?
say the same thing again, fellas. If you're joining us right now, welcome to the podcast. Yes, this is my second episode for the year 2023. And I have basically been engaging with the topic, God's season of pruning. Ladies and gentlemen, so why does God 
aspronness. Why? Why do we have to go through such suffering? I want to submit to us about five points as to why God does this. Number one, he prunes us so that we will bear more fruit. The sole purpose for which a gardener tends to his plants is so that he can get more yields. He waters the plant. He weeds the plant. He gives the plant fertilizer and eventually prunes the plant. Yes, that's exactly what God does to us. He prunes us so that we will bear more fruit. We bear more fruit spiritually, physically, financially, and even socially. But number two, God prunes us so that we will become more dependent on him. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in God. But point number three, God prunes us in order to assure us that we are truly saved and that we are his children. A gardener only tends to plants in his garden. You will never find a gardener tending to other people's plants. God does not prune unbelievers in order that they may be more fruitful. He only prunes believers. So this is an assurance that we are indeed his children when he prunes us. But number four, God prunes us so that he is free to answer more of our prayers. Now that we've become his children and we are abiding in him, we can ask questions. We can request for blessings and he will answer them. Divine pruning results in learning to abide in Christ, which in turn results in the freedom to ask whatever I wish. Yes, and it shall be done for me. Okay? But in all this, God prunes us so that we will glorify him. The sole purpose for which he created us. Ladies and gentlemen, our interpretation of the sanctifying work that God accomplishes in our lives, especially during times of trial, is directly related to our understanding of pruning. This in turn affects our response to personal suffering and to others in their time of trial. If we view pruning as punitive rather than restorative, uh, sorry, restorative we lose sight of God's undying love towards us. Thank you for joining this episode and kindly find time to share widely. Otherwise, I have been your presenter, Fred Odundo. 
God bless you. Tongue, y'all, and I can talk. Even 